But as he was speaking to me and I was packing my bag to drive up with my sister to the hospital, a bright light appeared in my face just staring at me. And I was so confused at that point thinking, what is this? Am I getting a migraine? And I really didn't understand. And I just had the call from my husband. He's at the hospital. But interestingly, I found out later that he had died on the table at that time and they had done open chest cardiac massage to revive him. He had had such extensive blood loss. So that light was clearly him coming to me at that time of death. You got to accentuate the positive. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Hello and welcome to another hour accentuating the positive here on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain. I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel and a medium, channeling wisdom from my guides and broader perspective whom I've called blissful beings. On Accentuate the Positive, you'll hear conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. It's my intent to put more love out through our media. It's so important to have a media diet that uplifts you, empowers you, and reminds you of who you really are instead of a lot of the media that we get that puts you in fear. So this is why I present the show. I've got some wonderful guests lined up for you. Welcome to ATP Media. You're with Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation. I'm here today with a fascinating guest who I met up at the Close Encounters Conference in Byron Bay recently, Dr. Marie Batchelor, who's a multi-dimensional physician, and she has an extraordinary story to share with us about her awakening journey, and then we're going to get into some conversation about what all this means and we're going to talk about some healing one of my favorite subjects hello marie welcome to the show hi karen and thank you very much for having me on the show it's um beautiful to be here and always a pleasure to share my story and if i can help other people with their awakening journeys that's what it's all about so yeah having me Marie has an extraordinary journey, not one we all want to go through, but look, one that we've all been through. I I really believe that, you know, death is one of the most powerful wake-up calls. It's like a wake-up call. Hello, there's more to us than meets the eye. There's more to us than the physical body. Do you want to tell us what happened and we'll start at the beginning? Sure. Look, just commenting on death as a wake-up call, I think one of the things that was fortunate for me was that it was a wake-up call and I can't imagine how people face loss and death like I had without this support from the multidimensional realms and then an understanding coming in of what really was going on and that was what saved me through that terrible grief. So my story begins in 2008. I was married, I was working as a GP medical doctor, married to a surgeon, living in a life of luxury, mansion with swimming pool, tennis court, four beautiful children. And I went for a family walk with my extended family, my 
brothers and sisters and father and uncles and, you know, cousins. And we were on a very quiet beach in Mount Eliza here where I lived. And we walked up the stairs and there were no, you know, the car park was empty and then all of a sudden a car appeared driven by an underage driver who couldn't control the vehicle and he went straight up onto the path and squashed my son onto the fence in front of us all. The driver was so incapable of driving the car he didn't even know how to reverse and he just jumped out and ran off and um, my brother then got in the car and, and backed it off. Now, when I saw the whole scenario, I just thought there's unlikely to be survival. So it was instant that I knew that this was that that this was um, you know a tragic a tragic accident. Interesting though, at that time I say I had some sort of downloads that there was something bigger going on, even in that moment, instantly. And, you know, Karen, I didn't have any religious or spiritual background. I was as 3D as they come. There was no understanding of mm. anything beyond mm. just the material existence of who we are. Mm. But at that time, something came in immediately. That was sort of unusual. I was, I mean, obviously completely distraught, devastated, and William was airlifted to the Royal Children's Hospital he arrived at the hospital and with my husband had flown with him and I got a call from my husband to say that he'd arrived and they'd taken him to theatre. He was alive at that point and it was sort of like, okay, so this is really good news. You've made it into the hospital and into theatre alive. That's a, that's a really positive sign. But as he was speaking to me and I was packing my bag to drive up with my sister to the hospital, a bright light appeared in my face just staring at me and I was so confused at that point thinking what is this am I getting a migraine and I really didn't understand and I just had the call from my husband he's at the hospital so we just uh, got up there but interestingly I found out later that he had died on the table at that time and they had done open chest cardiac massage to revive him he'd had such extensive blood loss so that light was clearly him coming to me at that time of death. He uh, struggled throughout 11 days in the hospital having multiple surgeries and the whole thing was just a terrible ordeal and just, you know, overwhelming at every level. And it was after he had died that I was calling out to God, again, not religious, not spiritual, and I was mm. saying, you have to help me. I can't bear this. Mm. and I got clear messages I got you must be still you must be quiet and I just thought oh okay all right I, I need to meditate I really need to you know just sit with this and really work through this grief really within me and so I did as God had told me and I shut our gates and I um, spent many months studying spiritual texts and I particularly used Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now and I found that that just soothed me and I continued to get knowings dropping in of of higher dimensional understandings that we weren't just this body there was something else going on I'd feel a presence of William around me I I just knew there was something else so as I was dealing with the devastating grief, there was also this, this greater awareness and greater understanding coming in. And that in itself was very confusing because 
you know, you sort of wonder, are you going mad? And there really isn't any guidance for this. And, you know, it was suggested I see counsellors and psychologists and I found that, you know, just completely unhelpful. I was usually passing the box of tissues to them Mm. as I was describing the story. And again, because I could hold this this greater awareness and understanding, there was such relief. And even, you know, to the point that I would drive down to the site where he was killed and a ball of light would come out of the site where he was killed and actually hit me and soothe me. And I would go, oh, that's right. It's all okay. Yeah. all going to be okay Mm. and then I'd get in my car and I'd think oh wow something amazing is going on here I feel okay everything's okay and I'd get home and half an hour later I'd go what's going on am I insane how could this possibly be okay Mm. so trying to even integrate at that very early stage that level of awakening with tragedy was very confusing and the local people kept saying, when is she going to get over it? But little did they realise that my withdrawal from the community was not just about grief. Mm. It was actually about the spiritual process, Mm. which a lot of people would be going through where they do need to withdraw and be quiet to find out who they are Mm. without the noise of everybody else and the distraction. It just so happened that it was happening to me in the context of grief. I then knew that I needed to meditate and really continue to look at, you know, the mystical side of religions was really the only entry point for me. I was, I just, and Eckhart Tolle's understandings. And I went up to the local ashram here and started to learn to meditate and got involved with them and found a lot of relief just by continuing on my journey in this way. Mm. And it was after a few years that I started to go back to work and knew that I could not work as a normal general practitioner, that my role was now as a spiritual counsellor. And there was a form of energy that I could use. Mm. But what completely catapulted me was a further massive abrupt awakening where I went back with the local ashram that were a Hindu We're going to come to that. We're going to come to that because that's fascinating. But there's a couple of things that I want to talk about in your story, which I asked and had some information about. So a lot of people that watch these videos, you know, are going through that grief. I have a lot of clients who contact me and they, because I'm a medium, they say, can you contact my dead relatives? But really that's not my role as a teacher, Mm -hmm. you know, as a teacher of deliberate creation, I'm here to, yes, I can show you how to do it, but I'm here to show you how to flow your energy so that you can be the creator of your reality. That's my role. But this grief thing, it's interesting that you said that when you're in this place of grief, that you had these knowings that came to you. Mm. And I said to them, I'm talking to my mob as I'm listening to your conversation, how can she be in such a place of low vibration like grief and still hear you, which is a high vibration? Mm -hmm. And what they said to me as I was listening to you, they said, because there's a place that we get to in grief where there's a complete surrender because you feel so bad that you can't maintain that vibration. And at some point you just give up you do there's a release it's the cracking open it's a cracking and in that it's the absolute surrender I cannot possibly it's bear this and you give up the vibration like you give up the thought you just will you give up you release you you Mm. actually give up but in a higher sense it's just it's like literally, you know, take me whatever. 
is yeah required. I surrender I surrender the logical brain that's yeah. trying to figure this yeah. out because and I can't figure this out and in that crack the light comes in the consciousness totally the, the totally guidance. and yeah. and what is interesting too is people would say oh the 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 stages of grief and they'd say oh there's acceptance and I'd say it's surrender surrender you know I don't think how humanness really ever accepts it it's Mm. just too awful for the human and then the acceptance is of this higher dimensional self that Mm. says you know this was always part of the plan it was part of the plan and what is interesting and one of the important things I need to mention is my four-year-old son said to me on many occasions I love you more than you mummy I love you now, I was non-religious, non-spiritual. I didn't even understand. I thought, what is this sort of crazy jargon for a four-year-old? But he was referring to the big you, the real me, the multi-dimensional me, and I love you more than you. You know, my role here is to help you find that you, and that is the part that is infinite, ongoing, and more important to me with our contract that we have here, and I love you more than you you know human it's beautiful I've heard you say that in another interview and and again because as I watch these interviews I'm asking questions like yes. people that are watching oh. my interviews and then I receive the guidances I'm like what does she mean by that and what does that mean and tell me about that so I'm always talking to them as I'm listening to you and to uh, videos yeah and he was just demonstrating unconditional love. Like he was saying, I love you more than you. Yes, he was saying, I love the bigger part of you, like the conscious part of you and not the logical sort of ego mind that's contained within the fabric of our society that says this is how life is. Mm. But he's also saying he loves that part too. I love you so much that I'm going to leave this body and I'm going to wake you up. Look, totally, totally. You know, I love all of you. Yeah. And, you know, in this death is my gift. In this death is my gift. Again, 3D thinking does (laughs) not assist that, which was interesting because I found other people's grief and understanding of the grief around me, their grieving and their loss for William, and the community was devastated. And I found it so uncomfortable to be around people for any length of time because the way they held grief was so different to mm-hmm. how I was holding it. Mm-hmm. And, again, it goes down to that vibration because 3D is very much about the victim and poor you. And I was using every tool that I could come across to transmute this from the victim mentality to actually something incredible is going on here yeah, and something. something incredible is going to happen to me mm. and this is the beginning and that kept coming through and I was just going there is something amazing that's going to unfold and then little miracles started to happen and one of them was the birth of my child. So I knew that I needed, it just was I needed to have another child, something to love in this 3D that wouldn't have been here unless there had been this tragic loss. And miracle pregnancy, seriously, we're talking miracle pregnancy, and her due date was his death date <laughs> year. And then I called her Eleanor. And that was just the name that came to me. 
and her that name means the light. Mm. And there was just this constant, you know, reminders of little miracles that would that built into bigger miracles and bigger understandings and bigger awarenesses and more guidance mm. and more feeling that he was around and more feeling that he was directing me Mm. and interestingly the odd person in the community that was a bit psychic would always come with a message Mm. you know your son came to me to say what you're doing is right or you know or something that didn't even make sense to them they'd give me that message and I'd go okay I know I know something's going on here so I was supported and you know thank god and as, as we all are all the time. Yeah. But, you know, we really don't notice that we're supported until we hit that place of, I don't know, where we reach out for it. You know, like we reach out with our mind, like sure. you know, what's going on, grief or trauma. Or, I remember sure. I had a shop years ago and, it, and there was a fire in the middle of the night and I was feeling this desperation and, and all these people, physical people, got up at 4 o'clock in the morning to come and help me clean up my shop and I just thought, you know, like I saw that physical support because, sure. you know, I had been doing, oh, I'm so unsupported, you know, that had been a sure. thought that I'd heard. Sure. But, yeah, we are so supported. Yes, yeah, something sure. else that you said in another interview I saw was when the car came headed for William, you said it was like it was just headed in his direction. It almost. was completely completely ridiculous you know it was it's the equivalent of the you know the fridge falling out of the sky and just having to drop on you you know it really was just this we were on the beach there's a big cliff and I was standing on the beach and I remember looking up you know 15 minutes before we walked up and I saw the car driving down from the top of the hill on the road above now I've been back there you can't see anything I had seen it somehow remote viewing or, you know, psychically I'd seen this car, this dark blue car. And when I was walking up the stairs, he was ahead of me by sort of one step, you know, set. And again, I couldn't see. And he was between my brother and brother-in-law and he was standing on that path. And then I hear this incredible bang. And my immediate response was, which one? of mine now there were multiple children Mm. and my sister was beside me she thought it was a garbage bin being knocked over you know and I'm going which one and within a you know within one moment I'm there to see this car completely pinned against the fence but it was it was insane because it was a direct line to him Mm. with uncle on either side they're completely unscathed and he's literally squashed by divine design you know and incredible and I think what's also interesting Karen we talked about the support but but you know what is what was interesting for me was how uncomfortable the support from the medical profession and the psychology the psychology was it was an uncomfortable because it wasn't opening me up enough to this expanded understanding Mm. and I think to keep you in your grief well it's confusing as well because you know you're told oh well you'll need some grief counseling Mm. and after a couple of sessions it was just like that is not serving me Mm. now that's not to say it doesn't serve other people and that's not to say there's other practitioners that can hold a higher perspective but where I was guided to yeah 
at the time was extremely uncomfortable. And again, my grief process was different to the average person. I needed quiet. I needed stillness. I needed retreating. And that really went on for years. Really? And really continues today where I really live that sort of life. I don't like the noise of lots of people and the distraction if it's not at a high vibration because I find it just unsupportive of who I really am. Mm-hmm. so um yeah interesting that you were saying that you felt unsupported because it was your own profession because as a doctor you were in that profession and so here you were within your own profession looking for guidance but anyway it woke you, you up it woke you up as and, my mother's death woke me up and I've interviewed a man whose wife was murdered here in Sydney oh, wow. he was an orthodontist and, and a pillar in his community and you know and the girls were at private school and and his wife was murdered in the middle of the day. And here's this scientist and he's got everything like you have. He's got the money, he's got the career, he's got the beautiful wife, he's got the three daughters in the private school. He's just having a lovely third-dimensional experience until his wife is murdered mm. and he's just in, in his dressing room. He's The next day he's on the floor, you know, like where the blood stain is on the carpet, just surrendering, just on his knees, praying to a God he doesn't believe in, saying, I surrender. And in that moment, he has this moment of grace mm. and knowing that everything is by divine design and he didn't mm. understand it because his mm. scientific mind mm. and his agnostic atheist mind just mm. goes, I don't get that. And so he spent yeah. the rest of his years, you know, seeking out what that was. So it's just fascinating how death can be such a wake-up call. And I had a client the other day whose brother yeah. died a few weeks ago and she wanted to speak to him in spirit and it was a really a bigger conversation than yes. just knowing he's in spirit. Yeah. And, and I think that that's also interesting. Two points that I want to bring up. One was the fact that also the medical profession were very keen for antidepressants and sleeping tablets. Yeah. You know, do you, you know, would you like some? Well, I didn't want any of it and I, and I haven't taken one ever, a sleeping tablet or, a, you know, an antidepressant to help me deal with the grief or the process I've been through that mm. I knew instinctively no way was that where I was meant to be going. Mm. And again, I think that can possibly stop you going through the necessary process to crack that deeply because you're sort of numbing it at a level and not really getting to own exactly, you know, the the crack and the, you know, the dark night that we, we need to go through as unbearable as it is. But the other thing uh, you were mentioning, oh, it's gone. It was, um, Oh, well, you know, being open to the light doesn't necessarily have to take a dark night. It no. does for a lot of the people I interview. I've had people hit by trucks and, you know, murders and, 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 and another woman I interviewed, Scarlett Lewis, her son was shot down in the Sandy Hook gunning. Oh, you know, okay. Her five-year-old, beautiful five-year-old. And, mm. and it can take that, but it doesn't have to. The light can get in in a very... I, I and look, I agree with that, but I think that I was so comfortably 3D. I was so incredibly, we're talking picture perfect line yeah. here. Yeah. That there was really, it's almost to the degree of the the 3D, you know, stability that there was no way I was going anywhere out of that. I wouldn't have gone, you know, it was too good to be seeking 
ever, even if it had been sort of... And I've heard people say, you know, all new age people are crazy. They're just unhappy with their life, so they're looking for... And it's kind of like, yeah, it's like that unhappiness makes you look for something else. Because the money and the job and the the lover and all that sort of stuff that we think that's going to bring us our happiness is something it's like well I've got it all and there's got to be something else the rock star or the or the mutual you know they I was having a conversation online this morning about you know how this amazing rock star we have in Australia you know him I won't mention he's very spiritual now because he's had the fame and the fortune he's done and now it's like there's something else now I want to bring a message of hope and love but let's get on with your story because I interrupted you so sure. you cracked open and you were seeking you, you you had your solitude and then you went to India to find something more like what were you looking for well I was just guided to go to India in 2014 with the group that was traveling from the ashram here what was interesting is they had asked me to come they were going back to that village every couple of years and I had said over and over I can't go it will be dangerous for my family which was a very interesting thing to come out of my mouth and I didn't quite understand, well, in fact, what I, how I interpreted that on a personal level was that my love for what I was seeking was going to be so great that the consequences of the family unit may, you know, may be disruptive, although I didn't understand to what extent. Mm-hmm. And it certainly was interesting because it was my 14-year-old daughter who said, Mum, we have to go on that retreat back to India which is a great thing because it was really on her suggestion and my teenage son or 12 year old son at the time decided to come as well so the three of us ventured off and I'm very grateful that it was her that said mum we really must go and it was incredibly supported by my husband at the time and we thought we'd all go but he chose to stay back with the two younger girls and allow me to go and he had been incredibly supportive of my spiritual journey to that point So I arrive in this in India and I arrive in the village. Well, the energy of India and the energy of the village was it was just incredible for me. I was just electrified. It felt magnificent. I was in that other, you know, that other frequency. Fifth dimension. It was superb. Mm. And I spent many days in the temple and Mm. long meditations. And it was in the temple where I received a zap on the head towards the end of those two weeks that I had been there and it was completely transforming. I came home and nothing felt the same. I really was at that point catapulted into what I call cosmic consciousness and I really was finding it very difficult to integrate and stabilise at that time, particularly because of the density of my family of origin and the community having no understanding of this and it was constantly what's wrong with you what's happened to you you're behaving so weirdly there's something not right here you're hiding behind spirituality for for bad behavior what's happening I've lost you I can't find you and I meanwhile you know up in some other realm trying to sort of integrate what was going on and I felt amazing apart from when I was attacked and had I been able to be nurtured in that and sort of taken aside and wrapped in a blanket and given soup and said wow something big is happening for you that would have been preferable but what Mm -hmm. happened is 
with their judgment and attack, I, I started to retreat and really just was unable. I wasn't solid enough in my experience to explain what was happening. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't have a mentor mm-hmm. and I didn't have a community or somebody who could come in and say, oh, yes, this isn't, you know, this is something that happens to people. It was really considered, mm-hmm. you know, just bizarre psychiatric. And, you know, I was assessed by psychologist at the mm-hmm. time who fortunately did have some spiritual understanding, but even he had limitations to what this, the level of what I had received. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I knew all along underneath I was fine. I did know I was supported and I was protected. But again, the humanness was struggling Mm -hmm. and I was thrown out of the home, the family home. I was told I wasn't adequately looking after the children, although I, I was, I was able to do motherly duties. I was probably a bit withdrawn, but I certainly was able to continue. But it was the constant sort of hounding and judgment that was difficult. And my yeah, you know, ex-husband at the time didn't think I would able, you know, able to manage, you know, he took control of all the money, he took away my passport, yeah, and I was living in, the ho- in a hotel. But having moments of absolute peace and clarity where I would go and sit at the beach and just say something is happening here, it needs to integrate. And, again, I asked God, God, please, please, this is so difficult I'm willing to do what's required. What do I need to do? And I was guided, given a name of an energetic healer who I then started to see on a regular basis and she helped me ground this experience. So I spent a lot of time with her. She'd done the Barbara Brennan method. Barbara Brennan, yeah. Yeah, and so she was very much about embodying and grounding and that's what I needed. Mm -hmm. And the experience had been so wild that I just knew I also needed the support of frequencies that could actually soothe me while I was going through that. So I chose to go back to India for six weeks after that experience. Mm -hmm. And again, that was looked upon as very wrong by everybody else because they were saying, what are you doing going back there? You need to be here. You need to, you know, pull yourself together. But I really... You need to return to the person you were, the doctor, the logical person, the person that fits into the mainstream society. But what I want to talk about is for people watching this that are going through their own journey, just to explain what you experienced when you got the tap on the head, like what was happening mentally, physically, emotionally to you, Look, I think um, the the immediate, look, probably more of the experience was leading up to that where there was just this feeling of expansion and joy and peace and love and just absolute thirst for everything I was surrounded by Mm -hmm. and the love of being in India and just this feeling like I was from there and I was connected to everything Mm -hmm. and everybody there and there was something I felt Indian you know it was just like Mm -hmm. at my core here there was an Indianness about me and this love of this great being that was buried there it was it was really quite incredible and the zap on the head was just this sort of like a a, like just a sort of a wave of energy shock come through my head that was really it was a force and I just remember going whoa what was that but it was only as, you know, as I returned home to realise oh, I have completely, you know, I've been activated, I'm transforming, I don't feel the same way I did and I needed time and an ability to integrate it. Yeah. And, again, with no, no really clear understanding of what was really going on. 
and it was extremely difficult for the human me. But again, I had so much support. This is what I'm seeing, hearing. You were in a place of expansion and gratitude and joy, you know, so you were opening because you were raising your vibration. And then as you experienced more of an opening, some people call it a kundalini experience, you know, there are many names, DNA activation, whatever you want to call it, spiritual awakening. Life says, can you maintain this? We're going to throw some stuff at you. Your husband's going to reject you. Your children are going to reject you. They're going to throw you out of that. Can you maintain a gratitude that is not based on outside circumstances? Now, therein is the lesson to awakening because it's not what's happening outside of us that gives Mm. us our joy. It's that connection to that joy and that peace and that expansion that you were experiencing in the ashram and in those cracked moments, those moments of surrender. And what was interesting was this inner knowing that something was supporting me and something was happening for me and for a greater good. And I had to continue to trust that, continuously have faith that whatever was happening to me was for my highest good and the highest good ultimately for humanity. Although that would still be argued by many people in my, you know, in my immediate family and in the community because, again, they still don't understand because they cannot feel or receive what it is that's happened to me. Although, and interestingly, my children came back to me and I have them 50% of the time and I have a wonderful relationship with all four of them and the younger girls are certainly understanding and starting to open and having their own experiences Mm -hmm. and my older two have softened to Mm -hmm. it and understand that there is something more going on here and my parents have come back to a very supportive role that we don't understand you but we we wish you well and we're happy to support you and and so I have managed to ground it integrate it and there lies the greatest strength because it's all fantastic to have this cosmic experience and boy it's it's a beautiful time if you're not hounded Mm -hmm. but where the real juice lies is by having that embodied and then being able to use those frequencies to heal people so we help people but you know like we're all one so yeah. as we heal ourselves, you know, we heal others. And as we heal others, we heal ourselves. I mean, you know, the journey of being a practitioner or a healer or a doctor in any way, shape or form. And, you know, I've practiced this for years and all my clients that come to me, they have issues that are a, d- a direct reflection of who I am or who I've been. There's no separation, you know, there's no. just me in yeah. your body and me in this cat's body and me and everybody yeah. just sure. one of us in the room you know what I mean? sure. Sure. and you know as a healer the work that we do is with ourselves because as we raise our vibration and we live a fulfilled exciting joyful loving life you know those people that judge us for not being a part of the mainstream story anymore they look on because we've got all that they're striving for, we've got it. You know, we, they're looking for the, the joy inside the money and the job and the relationship. And and as we're cruising through life in our crazy new age way, and we're experiencing that which they want. So they have to come home to that. Absolutely. I think though that they struggle initially to how can they have peace and joy and love when so much has fallen away. And people struggle with that. It really challenges 
their understanding and that in itself is a teaching that in itself is a teaching Mm. so the more I embody the more I stand you know in my multi-dimensional connection the more people are starting to understand wow one she's not mad two she's (laughs) getting on and doing some really good work and and you know really helping people and she's happy yeah yeah exactly exactly I'm you know it's it's not that I don't still miss that it would have been lovely if my husband could have could have joined me on this journey but you know I've got my children back and I'm doing some amazing amazing things meeting amazing people and doing what I love where work is joy Mm. and being this is joy there's not that dryness of living it is actually an expanded exciting activated beingness that I didn't have before and that's what's great so as a doctor now that you're experiencing this awakening and all that goes along with that like what else is there to experience and know and remember Mm -hmm. obviously you've gone back to being a healer doctor practitioner you know as an MD as a medical Mm -hmm. doctor how did it transform your work well, incredibly so. So <laughs> even before I'd gone to India, I knew I didn't want to practice mainstream general practice and I needed to become some sort of counsellor mm-hmm. you know, with a spiritual perspective mm-hmm. and really help people navigate difficult situations. Mm-hmm. And then it became more and more obvious to me that the disease process was about how far out of alignment we were with the truth of who we are. Thank you. And, and that just <laughs> became so glaringly obvious and I thought and I just knew the more I could bring people back into alignment Mm -hmm. with their truth that self-healing was possible Mm -hmm. from you know physical mental emotional diseases and then just became a journey that continued to sort of down get downloaded to me understandings of how healing could take place Mm -hmm. and then after the Indian experience it was just extreme I just knew that there was so much more that could be done and what happens for me now is this ability to bring the energy frequencies in and around me and activate that in somebody else yeah. and then start this spontaneous awakening so their DNA starts to activate. But one of the things I'm, I'm particularly about is cleaning off that that gets in the way of this ability to do that because as humans we have been manipulated and you know, enslaved into our way of being that has taken us to a natural state. There's a lot of people on the internet talking about how we've been manipulated and enslaved. And I actually don't use that language because that's victim-based language. And with everything that I speak about, I speak about empowerment because as much as we call it enslavement or whatever interfered with, we actually as souls chose, chose that. We chose to come into this experience where we forget who we are. And we choose to buy into a mainstream superhighway of consciousness and to be part of the crowd, believing all that we see around us as part of reality, and then to wake up. Because had we not forgotten, the Mm. journey of awakening would not be as much fun. You know, to know the end of the movie before you see the movie, it sort of spoils it. And so that awakening journey, although it can be tragic for people, like 
death and there's death in mine was a death experience, yours was a death experience, or it can be a hit by a truck or blown up in a bomb blast or a murder. I mean, there's so many ways that where it can just be in meditation and having a Kundalini experience. But that awakening journey from the limited perspective to the broader perspective is such a beautiful journey. And, and look, I, and, and, you know, I agree with all of that. And I certainly don't use that terminology as, as a victim mentality, but as an awareness for, for the work that I do to actually help people overcome significant blocks to who they are supposed to be. And so from yeah, my perspective, I know. I know, well, you know, we, we, we've got, we've got to understand we have different perspectives and I, and I fully understand where you're coming from. But for me, there are things that people need to address to actually clean off that that's continuing to keep them suppressed, you know, in a particular paradigm that is not helping them find the truth of who they are. Mm-mm-mm. Because you see, once you awaken to this energy, it's like a thought form, like everything is energy. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, I had, I was at a friend's place recently down the coast and there's a judge that lives next door that always comes over for dinner when I'm down there. And, and he just doesn't believe in anything I do. And he doesn't believe in life after death. And, you know, he's a very scientific, he's been a judge all his whole life. He's been in the judicial system. Mm-hmm. And he just thinks anyone that believes in life after death is just crazy. And when you understand that energy can't, you can't kill energy, you can only Mm -hmm. transform it. Mm. It's a bit like cleaning off. You can just transform energy. And so when you buy into a vibration, a more positive, a more enlightened, a more expanded vibration, the denser vibration can't exist in that same space. And so it just, and so you just, you don't actually let go of anything. You just move up and it, and it's gone. It's sort of like the path to the old house still exists. It's a well-worn path, but as you take sure. a new path, you kind of forget how to get to the old house. I did that when I moved back to the city. I yeah. grew up around here and I spent 10 years up on the northern beaches. I came back and I couldn't remember where the paths were because it was an yeah. old path. You know what I mean? It was just an analogy. Well, and I, and I agree with you and I think that that's, that's brilliant and I think that that's totally right, that there is nothing that this higher frequency and expansion of who we are there's nothing that we can't overcome without a doubt but I guess my job is to help people navigate where they can't get to that expansion because they feel you know whether it's a a a trigger that's that's come in through a family lineage program or a trigger that's come in through their past life incarnations through a vow or a contract that they can't do what we are saying because People need some assistance and guidance, transmuting some of that so that old path literally melts away. Yeah. It doesn't get used. And if someone so they need a reminder mm. of who they really are. So ultimately we are, and it is about self-responsibility without a doubt, and it totally. is about stepping up into those frequencies and being open to them and being brave enough to step off into this unknown existence which offers this peace, love and joy when you have to let go of the constructs of your previous existence on on some levels because it does alter your relationship to the 3d world and it actually alters it for the better but the cracking out of it is painful because it is not 
well received by those around you who like you to fit into the piece of the puzzle of the family unit exactly how you were Mm. and so as you're rising out of it and changing your frequency those other pieces of puzzle are are not fitting in so well together and it starts to break up some of their belief systems which is a good thing for the awakening of humanity at large but it is uncomfortable and I guess that this is the thing it is an uncomfortable process you're so right Marie it is uncomfortable and you know what's happening globally because you know we have a person in a powerful position that a lot of people are shaking their fists at and you know what he's making a lot of people very uncomfortable well again it's through this uncomfortable process that we start to look deeper because we realize there perhaps isn't the authority that we thought was going to save us this isn't about running to lawyers or running to doctors or running politicians Mm-hmm. Yeah, to help us, we need to find who we are and our truth mm. and activate that. And then we will get great change and great peace on this planet. On planet. You know what I find really interesting as I've been listening to people talk about, you know, what's happened in the US politically? Because when it happened, I was at, in Perth actually at my brother's place and my little 15-year-old nephew said, yeah, Trump got in. And I just thought, nah, that's just not possible. He didn't. <laughs> was so like really there's something going on here that I that I need to investigate which is kind of like death you know there's some bigger picture here there's a bigger picture than what it looks like I well I think that this is the case and again when we always go for that bigger picture what is the bigger picture that we are being shown Mm. and what is it that's unfolding here that is in our highest good so again, you know, it's about finding the higher perspective in everything that's going on to yeah. actually transmute it yeah. into that that is actually serving our situation. And, and interestingly, everyone I've heard that has talked about why they voted for him has said they wanted to shake things up. And and so the energy, the desire for change was stronger, was more prominent than a desire to have political correctness or all that stuff that he doesn't stand for because he stands for so many things that we don't, you know, that most people don't stand for. I mean, there are people that have loved that sort of rhetoric, you know. Yeah. Right. I love that he hates all these people and he wants to build walls and I love that. But there are people that just want So change really is the energy of the now. So your experience has been a shift really quickly because it only happened a few years ago. Yeah. There are so many beings in this room right now and they keep uh-huh. Can you hear them? I keep hearing them. I keep seeing them. They're just so I can, fe- I can feel I so can many feel people in this room. Them. I can feel it. I you know, we again we're very well supported in this conversation and being guided and you know yeah. change. And I think change is where we are at because right we now. need to change because really for the survival of the planet and humanity we need we some to. we need some change. Yeah. And but what is interesting is the human design doesn't like change. It likes stability. So the humanness likes, that's where they feel safe. That's the safety mechanism is in the stability and getting people to understand that change is actually a positive and not a negative in whatever shape it turns up, which then gets me to this line that I'll often use, which is dancing with what presents. Dance with what presents. Find a higher perspective with it and actually bring your, you know, elevate your frequencies mm. and meet the event from a different dimension that we, we, you know, we need to get out of that 3D limited understanding 
go higher with perspective, elevate our frequencies and actually alter the dimensions that we're in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's really important and very important at this time on the planet of great change. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know. Yeah, always look beyond what presents one of my favourite, I talked about her last interview, but Byron Katie, she's one of my favourite teachers, and one of her sayings is, you know, never argue with what is because when you argue, you lose, you know, but only 100% of the time because what is, is. So when you argue with what is, you're in suffering. And uh, whether that's a good or a bad thing, but when you are to argue what, with what is, like when there's a death of someone or when there's your politician sure. doesn't get in or you, you're, sure. you get sacked from your job or your husband leaves you or has an affair or whatever or your girlfriend plays up on you, what is, is, and when you argue with it, you lose uh, and you're in suffering. But she also says, who needs God's opinion when we've got yours? <laughs> she says, <laughs> she says God's opinion is what is, you know, yeah, like yeah, we yeah. can change the status quo, but, you know, arguing with what is, is like, well, this is my opinion. It's like, yeah, we don't need God's opinion. Yeah, Waste of energy, mm-hmm. waste of energy and, and, you know, disease and out of alignment presents itself right there. So the minute we have that surrender and self-acceptance of a situation and learn to get that higher perspective, the better we are from a physical and mental and emotional perspective in terms of well-being and health. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's important to actually understand that, mm. that, you know, that surrender and then finding that higher perspective. Beautiful. Yeah, oh, very hard good. perspective. That's what we're all challenged with in whatever's well, happening in our life, be it disease or pain sure. or disappointment, is finding, you know, there's something else going on here. So sure. let's and that's and that's where I do my work to actually help people transmute their old belief patterns and their old understandings or the well-worn path of a family lineage program of I have to be a certain way, I have to think a certain way because it's, you know, it's been inherited the way we think and behave to fit into a, to this, you know, lower dimension and to actually help people navigate. It has been inherited. You know, years ago I was teaching a healing technique where we talked about all this. We talked, it was funny, I was in my early 30s and someone rang me up and said, do you want to do a DNA course? And I said, oh, what? He said, oh, we're transmuting the DNA, you know, we're going to change DNA. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And he was moving <laughs> on and I remember just tuning in and going, yeah, I'm coming. I said, stop talking, you don't have to explain it to me, I'm coming. Yeah. So I went and did this course and I used to teach it and we, t- we talked about the inherited thought form. But I think that what happens with a lot of people, because I've got a neighbour who talks like this all the time, you know, my family comes from here and we've always done it this way and this is the way it is and and you have to do it my way because I'm right because this has been, you know, for generations and this has been, you know, she just talks like this, which a lot of people do, mm. especially who are connected to a culture that they're very proud of. Mm. But there's something mm. about it that if I change my ways, I'm not going to be connected to the people I love, which is exactly what you went through. And that's a big fear that people totally, go through. Totally. Mm. But I guess that what people need to understand is by generally speaking, keeping yourself in those limited programs of a family lineage that no longer serve our time yeah. is actually, again, a form of lack of self-worth and, you know, uh, you know a people-pleasing 
to the detriment of the truth of who you are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we dance to somebody else's tune, mm-hmm. fit in and, and do the right thing. But is it actually in everybody's highest good? Is it actually helping people consciously evolve to keep some of that in place? Mm. And that's what, you know, people have to face. For me, it wasn't even a choice. The genie was out of the bottle, boom, Mm. and, and I had to just go with it. And I do understand the difficulty people face where they've been in a particular mindset and, and, and belief system and way of behaving and just wondering why they don't feel good. There's a dullness, there's a, you know, there's a, a depression. I mean, if, and if you look, Karen, at, at the rate of depression and, and how many antidepressants are out there at the moment, we really are in an interesting time where the old programs and belief systems are not serving and people are feeling depressed Mm -hmm. and and you know we look at the rates of obesity and youth suicide Mm -hmm. you know there really is despite the fact that particularly in our western world we've got you know a pretty comfortable existence for most of us Mm -hmm. that this level of unrest is really is quite incredible so there is something that needs to be evolving here is this embodiment of the truth of who we are which does become at the loss of some of of those of those programs that no longer serve us Mm -hmm. but it's a big it's a big leap for people and it is difficult however they are finding more and more that the traditional way is not necessarily supporting them but shutting yourself down with an antidepressant hasn't actually helped your conscious involvement. Yeah. Look, it's only going to get more difficult because uh, we were having a discussion with Garnet Schulhauser, one of my favourite teachers that I've uh, talked with on ATP, and we were talking about ascension. He was uh, His experiences are amazing. His spirit guide takes him out in his astral body and flies him around the universe and shows him wow. all this stuff and then he writes it all down in books because uh, what happens is we all fly around the universe at night doing sure. extraordinary things, talking to our dead relatives and our spirit guides and our angels and just hanging out in source energy, you know, when we're asleep. And then we come back into this physical dimension and we can't remember. Like sure. yeah. I struggle every morning to remember. What did I do last night? Anyway, yeah. yeah. He has full memory when he comes back in and he writes it all down. Wow. Um, and Beautiful. he was saying that he had a conversation with Mother Gaia with Earth. He was taken in his astral form into the into Antarctica, I think, on the and into the Earth. Wow. wow. And he spoke to like a mist that was Gaia, the consciousness of Gaia. Wow. And she said it's her time to evolve and move into the fifth dimension to, to a higher frequency. And she has been trying to do that for a while. And uh, humans are holding her back because they're not giving up their limiting uh, negative thought forms. You know, they're still yes. buying into yes. fear and violence yes. and separate thinking. Yes. And, yes. you know, it's all about me, yes. me and I, yes. I'm going to make it happen for me even if I have to walk all over you. So sure. unless we shift en masse, we're just not going with her. And so yeah. that, can mean a few things she'll kick us off uh mm. with her you know storm systems or whatever or we'll blow ourselves up but mm. so mm. there's this time of we you know are the future in, is not certain well we are in a very interesting time although mm. i have great faith i have great faith that we are actually doing precisely what we need to be doing by mm. having these conversations and exactly. and more and more people are able to hear it and i think we do have the support of the off world beings oh yeah and, you know to will us on to this you know the the higher path and they're really, on the sidelines going whoop, 
And I think that they're coming in stronger and stronger now. And, you know, we're getting more support from these other dimensions. We're also, I believe, getting extra photonic light packages coming in and activating some of this dormant DNA. And that will transition us so that we start getting back to that state of peace, love and joy as a natural state with, of course, the odd stress coming up and issue that we are all dealing with instead of the other way around, which is the perpetual sort of stress, life's tough, and I'm looking forward to the one party in a fortnight. You know, it's, it, we've got to reverse this. And I think it is happening for us with the support and things that are in place. Mm. And, um, you know, we are moving into a different, a different era, I believe, and I really believe we are going to do it. And I think the fact that we're having conversations like this mm. and, you know, it's, it's happening and I'm getting lots of people Skyping me from my assistants that have these great understandings and it's global. You know, it's happening everywhere. Oh, people are waking up. I think Mary said at the conference, didn't she? She said half the population of the planet are galactic beings that have incarnated to help yeah. us. Yes. So yeah. There's like 7 billion of us. There's like three and a half billion. Fantastic. Like, Fantastic. That's what she said. I don't, that, was a, I, that was quite a random thing that she said. Well, you know, and maybe some of them are still wait, you know, about to pop into their awakening. And, yeah. and again, that's where I see, you know, my job and your job and the, and the other, you know, the others that are doing this work, that's, the, that's our job to help awaken people to the yeah. truth because as they start to feel some of this change coming in, it is uncomfortable and they need guidance and, you know, just something to quell that sort of mental state of oh my god what's happening so somebody to help bring in the higher perspective and actually change the way things are perceived Mm -hmm. so beneficial as well as the energy work that we're doing abling to you know help people feel who they are by being in the presence of those energies yeah it was given to me an analogy was given to me when I was sort of torturing over all this stuff as I was on my intense part of the journey you know grappling with that grappling with those thought forms that were not serving me yeah that the the brighter the light gets think about turning on a light on a room the clearer and it was just told as an analogy dirt is not the great but the clearer the dirt you can see that like in a dark room everything looks perfect but when you turn the light up you see all the yeah all the things that don't yeah. look so good or the dirt in the room or and yeah. so um, well, which is what happens so as so the lighter we get the more our limiting ideas about ourselves the more come come to come to light come to light exactly and I think that that's a really important thing to to discuss is the fact that you know sometimes with this awakening you'll have that honeymoon period where it is all love and light and feels so joyous and then the hard work starts which is the self-reflection and the self-responsibility and what's actually going on here and that's not to make people believe that something's gone wrong you know, it really is to say, no, no, keep going. You, you know, step by step, this is what's happening. It's almost like you get that honeymoon period to show you what's possible and what's yeah. what's there once you've done yeah. once you've done more of the work. I often see this with people where it is this beautiful awakening, and then oh boy, now I'm really got to got to face some of this. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and the acceptance that things will change around them. You know that that sometimes friendship groups need to change or sometimes locations or, you know, jobs to, to support the frequencies that they are becoming. And it is a good thing. 
mm-hmm. and that everybody has the opportunity to, you know, to consciously evolve. And by doing it, you're helping others do it as well. Exactly. Oh, Marie, it's been so beautiful to talk uh-huh. today. Thank you so much and congratulations on the work you're doing. And I love talking to doctors. You know, I've yeah. been a doctor many times in past life, as I've said to you, and uh, I look on this crazy system that we have, this allopathic system, and sort of shake my head and go, one day we're all going to look at, back on this and say, how could we torture people like the way uh-huh. we did it and call it healing? And it's beautiful when doctors wake up. I find that very exciting for some reason. Yeah, well, it's, um, you know, it, it is exciting. It has its challenges. But, you know, as yeah. I said, I'm doing my job. I'm, you know, standing in my strength and saying this is who I am and this is this is what's happening. And, you know, I'm getting the results with people and that's, that's where it counts. I am mm-hmm. actually getting amazing results with my people more than I ever could have in my previous way of practising and I exactly. think that that's what's important. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about, you know, how can I best serve? Mm-hmm. And for me, the way I can best serve is by doing what I'm doing and what I've been guided to do. Mm-hmm. And you're still mm-hmm. maintaining your relationship with William. Absolutely, absolutely. Who's, who's your little four-year-old that left his body in order yeah. to facilitate this beautiful awakening process? So, so I just wanted to say one more thing to you. What did you call your daughter, Ellen, Eleanor? Eleanor. Eleanor. Eleanor, and it means the light. Yeah, Ellen. I, I I gave my daughter that second name, Ellen. It came to me before she was born too, and I looked it up, and yeah, the light. Yeah, yeah. The, I gave her Ellen as the second name. Yeah, beautiful. Which comes from Eleanor. Yeah, the light. Thank you for all that you do. My pleasure and thank you. Yeah, beautiful to talk to you and great to share this conversation. And remember, if you want to meet some of the people that I interview, I've interviewed so many fascinating people over the years on ATP Media, started off on community radio, and now here we are on YouTube. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podcast Mixcloud. We're all over the place, so you can tune in visually and audio. If you join the Inner Sanctum, you have an opportunity. It's a subscription. It's 22 Australian dollars to come online on our monthly webinars and meet some of the beautiful people that I spoke with last Saturday we spoke with Garnet that's when we were talking about the ascension process and next month we have Krista Gorman who had an NDE she's going to talk about what it's like hanging out in heaven and what goes on there and we'll invite Marie on but we're booked up for the next eight months with teachers but we'll invite you on at the end of the year and you can oh beautiful fantastic get to ask people questions and it's these webinar series I put snippets of them up on YouTube for the public to see but it's by subscription so the people that are are members they come on and they get this personal access oh fantastic beautiful so thanks again for joining me on ATP media remember to subscribe and like and all that fabulous (laughs) stuff and leave your comments underneath on the YouTube or on iTunes check out some of my other videos there are some great videos all those people I mentioned Garnet Schulhauser is amazing I've got some more wonderful people to talk to coming up and if you want to learn more about the law of attraction and how you are creating your reality or how to find more love join us in the inner sanctum next year or come and have a session with me check out my website karenswain.com for any readings and teachings available about spiritual deliberate creation for the change makers difference makers and disruptors catch you next time thanks for listening bye for now